Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Good morning, Three Creeks. My name is Joel Trainer, and I get to be the pastor here. And if you are uh, a part of the family, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And if you're new, if this is uh, new to you or church is new to you, we just want to acknowledge that you could be anywhere on earth right now, probably. And you've chosen to be here in Gehanna Middle School West with Three Creeks. And so for that, I'm thankful. Uh, on Friday morning, my daughter Cooper, she's five years old. She looked across the breakfast table at me. And she said, Dad, I've decided I'm going to be, when I grow up, a magician. And I said, you are. I thought, where did you get this idea? And she said, yep, I'm going to write and sing songs for people. I thought, ah, that's a musician. But uh, you're close. You're close. And then, uh, you know, getting to work with some of the people that were just up here on stage, just the, the rich talented and yet humble team of musicians here at Three Creeks. I'm like, Cooper, you go. Like, you be a musician. You get on that team. I just want you to know that the people that are up here every week, they're just, they're even better back there. You know, like they are so, they're amazing people and Brandon leads an amazing team. And so I'm just very thankful to get to be on that team and hope that you can appreciate them sometime a little bit too. Uh, we're in a series called A Few of Our Favorite Things. We're talking about some of our favorite things as a church family. Last week, Trey Gilmore came and shared a little bit about what God has been doing at Contrast Church in Grandview. Uh, from the beginning of our church, we have saved 5% of every dollar that has ever come into our church, and we put it in a pot, and we said, this is for church planting. And so when Trey and Sarah Gilmore came and they completed their residency here at Three Creeks, we gave them some people, we gave them a bunch of money, and we said, go tell people in Grandview about the hope and the life that is found in Christ. And, and getting to hear Trey preach, I listened to it this week, and it was just amazing to hear all that God is doing. And so church planting is something that we love, and it's something that we'll keep doing. We're still saving 5%. We're still looking for the next resident, because people in Johnstown and Sunbury and Newark and Buckeye Lake, come on somebody. You guys, people in these places need to know about the life and the hope that is found in only in Christ. And so we're going to keep planting churches. We believe here at Three Creeks that the best way to reach people who are far from God, who are unchurched or dechurched people, the best way, no question, is to start new churches and new places. And so we're all in on that. And over the course of our existence as a church, we're just going to kind of keep planting churches that plant churches. We'd rather be biblical than big. You with me on that? We'd rather be biblical than big. And so that is what we're trying to do. And I'm thankful that we're, we're kind of got one down and, and 19 more to go or something like that. Next week, we're going to talk about Three Creeks Kids. It's one of our favorite things. There's like a billion of them back there. And they're all jumping on bounce houses back there, having a blast, learning about Jesus. Next week is going to feel less like a church service, more like an elementary kids choir concert, something like that. Uh, we're going to bring them up here and they're going to sing a song. We're going to have kids holding the door and volunteering in different places. And we're just going to highlight our kids and we're going to talk about how important it is that we love and serve and raise up the next generation. And then a week after that, we're going to talk about this thing at Three Creeks that we have called the Generosity Fund. We're going to talk about how much our church loves to give money away. We don't see it as ours. And so we see it as a, 
as God's being given to us to use for his glory. And so I'm going to get to share the heart behind that and share some stories about some unbelievable things that have happened in and through our church over the past year and just tell you how much we love to try to be a boost to the people inside and connected to our church. But today, uh, I don't know if you could really tell based on the bounce houses, but uh, a little different stage decor today. We are going to talk about another one of our favorite things, and I happen to think that it's also one of your favorite things. I asked, there were, I don't, I don't remember exactly how many, but maybe between 40 and 50 people that have joined, that had joined our church on the fourth birthday, which was a couple months ago, I had asked 40 or 50 people who had joined our church in the, in the last year, basically. I said, Why? Why Three Creeks? Why? I mean, there's other churches. There are other good churches. There's other churches that preach the gospel about Jesus. Why? Why did you end up here at Three Creeks? And the most common answer among those people was that they love that our church wants to love and serve our local community. That we love Gehenna. That we did not plant this church to make ourselves comfortable and huddle up but we planted this church to be a blessing to our community and serve the people around us and serve our schools and serve City Hall and serve our neighbors. We've been on this mission from the beginning to be a church that if we left Gehanna, Gehanna would miss us. I remember saying that in the third week of our church's existence. If, if we cease to exist, would our city miss us? We want to be missed if we're gone. And I also said at that point that I think that that will take us 10 years. You don't snap your fingers and become that important. I said, I think it's going to take 10 years and we're going to have to stay focused the whole time on, on serving and loving and being a blessing to people that we don't even know that cannot turn around and bless us in return. And I just got to say that four years or so in, I believe with all my heart that we're on our way. I believe that we are on our way to becoming this church that if we cease to exist, our city would miss us. When I walk into City Hall, this is not because of me, this is because of you, because of us as a church. When I walk into City Hall and I say, my name is Joel Trainer," and I meet somebody that I don't know and I say, I get to be a part of Three Creeks Church, they say, we've heard about you. We have heard about your church. You guys are helpers. And I, I field calls from the Gahanna superintendent and people at the high school and other school counselors that say, we've heard about you. We've heard that your church helps. And I just got to tell you that as the pastor of this church, I am so proud every time I get one of those phone calls because we, we are on our way to becoming this church that loves our local community, that loves Gahanna, that spends money and time and energy on making an impact on people that we may never see again because we love them, because we want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. I think most of you know this about me, but just in case you don't, I should remind you that I never wanted to do this. I never wanted to be a pastor. I made a deal with my friends in college None of us were allowed to be pastors. We loved Jesus, but we were like, eh, on church. Anybody else ever? Like, we are cool with Jesus and the Bible. We get it. We love the story, and we need it in our lives. But the way that we were seeing church played out, we're like, nah, not for us. We went to church. We didn't want to work in a church. 
And then God, long story, made it very clear that he wanted me and Morgan to move here to Gehanna and start a new church. And the amount of advice that I got, unsolicited most of it, on how to do this, on what's important, on what church should look like. I can't even remember any, I mean, I can't even remember 10% of it. It's just so much. You're just, when you tell anybody in a church circle that you're planning a church, they've got a lot to say. And we made an agreement among our core team at the beginning. We're not going to take our cues from somebody else. We're not going to create our values based on another person's book. We're not going to create what's the most important thing, our vision, our values, our mission. We're not going to draw it up based on what we've seen other people do. We're not going to read books and say, let's do that. We're going to go to the source. We're going to go to the Bible, and we're going to actually go back to the roots and go, God, what do you think is the most important? What should be our DNA? How should we draw up our mission and our vision and our values? What do you think is the most important? And so we started reading the book of Acts, the story of the first church. What I want to share with you today are a couple facts about the church in Acts that I think most of you have heard before. However, if there's a sliver of skepticism about your belief in it, I also want to compare what is written in Acts 2 about the church. Obviously, this is in the Bible. I want to show you three or four different historical documents that are widely accepted by secular audiences that describe the first church. And I want, to, I want you to see how unbelievable it is how aligned these two descriptions are. Because the Bible says one thing, and you might be iffy on the Bible. You might think it's a fairy tale. But all these other documents say some fascinating things about these first century Christians. So let's start in Acts 2. If you got your Bibles, you could turn there. We're going to be in Acts 2 and Acts 4 briefly. And if you're not in the mood to open up your Bible, we'll throw it up on the screen. Verse 42 of Acts 2, this describes the first church. This is what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Look at verse 44. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need, not just people in their church, to anyone in need. And then in Acts 4, it kind of doubles down on this philosophy that they had. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace, this is amazing, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anybody in need. These are just two, just small couple verse sections that I pulled out of this story of the first church. And all through the first six, seven, eight chapters of Acts, you see the church caring for widows, caring for orphans, caring for the poor, caring for the marginalized, and doing it, not expecting anything in return. 
This is this picture that the Bible paints of the first century Christians. They're givers. They're selfless. They're not about themselves. They want to help people. They want to have local impact, if you will. So you might not believe that's true because it's in the Bible. But just in case you don't, here's a couple, here are a couple widely secularly accepted historical documents that describe first century Christians. This one's called the Epistle of Diognetus, and it says this, For the Christians are different. They display to us a wonderful and striking method of life. It was so different than how everybody else was living. As citizens, they share in all things with others and yet endure all things as if foreigners in other lands. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are poor, yet they make many rich. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers. This describes the Christians. Tertullian, a first and second century historian, writes this. He's talking about gifts that have been given to churches. He says, these gifts are not spent on feasts, on drinking bouts and eating houses, but to support and bury poor people, to supply the wants of boys and girls, destitute of means and, and of parents, and of old persons confined now to the house. This is the description of the first century church. When Tertullian remarked at how the Roman culture responded to the Christian church, what he heard over and over and over and over again was that the Romans would exclaim, see how they love one another. That was what was noticeable. That was what they took note of. See how they love one another. And then in 1996, an American sociologist named Rodney Stark wrote about the first century Christians. He wrote, Christianity, this is amazing. Christianity served as a revitalization movement that arose in response to the misery, chaos, fear, and brutality of life in the urban Greco-Roman world. To cities filled with homeless and impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered immediate basis for attachment. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family cities faced with academics, fire, and earthquakes. Christianity offered effective nursing services. In the third century, when there was a devastating plague that swept across the entire known world at the time, people were throwing family members out of their house that were sick because they didn't want to get sick themselves. It was Christianity. It was Christians that were known for going into these places and serving and caring and nursing people back to health, risking their lives to do so. This is the first century church. It was unbelievable, unbelievably countercultural, unbelievably selfish and others focused. And the question I have as I read that is why would they do that? Why would they do that? Why would anyone, as, especially a big group of people, why would they, all of them, get together and say, let's not live for us. Let's serve other people. Let's risk our lives to do so. Why would anybody do that? And the answer is not complicated. They heard what Jesus asked them to do, and they just did it. Like, 
That's pretty simple. They heard what Jesus had asked them to do, and they just did it. They didn't interpret their way out of it. They didn't say, well, that's for them, but in our context, that doesn't work. They just heard what Jesus said, and they did it. Jesus, right at the end of his life, he's sitting at the Last Supper. At the Last Supper, that's where we get communion from. That's where we get where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Something else happened at this Last Supper meal. Jesus knows he's about to die that night the next day, right? He's about to be betrayed. So he's, he's kind of given them the greatest hits here at the end. These are a few of Jesus' favorite things, maybe. And Jesus says to his disciples, he goes, my children, my boys, I will only be with you a little while longer. You will look for me, just as I've told the Jews, so I'll tell you now where I'm going. You cannot come. This is one of the instances that Jesus predicts that he is going to ascend into heaven. He's going to come back to life and ascend into heaven. He goes, I'm heading out. I'm gone. You can't find me. But before I go, let me just tell you this. A new command I give you. A new command. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, we're going to kind of stay here the rest of our time together this morning. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is how people are going to know. If you love one another. What he didn't say, they will know that we are Christians by our signs. He didn't say they will know we are Christians by our bracelets by our cross necklaces. He didn't say they will know if you're Christians if they ask you and you give them a good response. He didn't say they will know. They will know that you are Christians if you don't drink too much, if you memorize Bible verses. These are the marks of a Christian. This is not what Jesus said. Jesus said they will know that we are Christians by our love. And that word love, there's four different words in the Bible that are translated into love. This is important. It's important to understand in the context of what Jesus is saying here. There's, there's four different kinds. There's a phileo love, right? That's like love that we would have for one another here in our church family. We know each other, so it makes sense. We're friends, so we might provide a meal or, or something like that. That'd be some phileo love. There's a, I don't know how to pronounce this one, but Storgi, I think, S-T-O-R-G-E. It's a familial love. That's like my love for Cooper, my love for Judah. There's Eros. I won't describe it. I think it's my personal favorite. And then, you guys, this is the one that Jesus talks about. He talks about agape love. Agape love. It's the sacrificial, unconditional, pure love for others that you do not know, that cannot guarantee that they will love you back. It's this, it's this sacrificial, selfless, for somebody else, not for my gain, I will serve, I will give love. 
And this is the love that Jesus describes here. He says, they will know that you are Christians by your agape. When everybody else chases the promotion and the comfort for themselves, you'll do it for somebody else. This is how they'll know that you love me. And this is one of our favorite things, at least I hope. Listen, no church ever sets out ever that I know of, church plant, going, man, let's just be really self-focused. Let's just get as comfortable as we can. Let's not care about the community around us. Let's just kind of do everything for us. I've never heard a church lead with that. I've never heard a church year one go, this is our game plan. And if they did, I don't know where they got that. But we all know of a church that has slipped into that, don't we? Maybe we've been a part of them. And so if we as a church family don't come back, it is not natural to live an agape lifestyle. It comes unnaturally. And so as a church family, we got to talk about this from time to time to remind ourselves this is the kind of church that we want to be forever, for a long, long time. A church that doesn't just huddle in the building. You guys, listen, the success of Three Creeks is not ever how many people we get into this room. The success, the measure of success is what we do when we leave the building. Are we agape loving the people around us, the people that live next to us? Is this a part of who we are? I want to take just a couple minutes. In a minute, I'm actually going to get to invite Mackenzie Davis, who's our local impact director. She's going to come up here in just a minute, and I'm going to interview her about a couple things that are going on this summer. But before I do that, I want to highlight one way that our church in the last year has shown some agape love. Raise your hand if you are familiar with and know what My Village Ministries is. Anybody know what this is? Tons of hands, which means we're doing an okay job. I want to make sure every hand could go up after a short explanation of what My Village Ministries is. My Village Ministries, I think the best way to put it, simple terms, is it's the church's form of foster care. It's where the church steps in and kind of provides the same kind of resource It's for a family that's going through a crisis, and it's short-term, usually, care for the kids in that family. We started it last September. We have five host families that are in the process of becoming host families. And what that means is that when there's a family in our community that has a crisis, these families have raised their hands and have said, we will take on these kids for a period of time and then our, our My Village team goes and talks with, the par- or talks with the family and provides support for them. And then, not only that, not only do we have host families, but we have like 50 people or so in our church in what's called the care community. So as soon as a family starts hosting kids, people in the care community have signed up and said, you know, I can provide transportation, I can help with meals, I can give some clothes. The email goes out to the care community and people just sign up and then they help the host family not have to bear the whole burden by themselves. And I just got to tell you that this has been so fun for me to watch. My wife, Morgan, is actually sitting back there. She is our director of My Village Ministries here at our church. Pretty much right away, Jordan and Liz Ellis. Liz is our kids director. Jordan and Liz raised their hand and said, this is what God wants us to do. And I, I was talking with Liz this week And I said, Liz, can you put into words your experience as a My Village Ministries host family and what you guys went to or went through? And she said this, we originally 
connected with our My Village ministry family because a mom had preeclampsia and needed to go to the hospital, but did not have a safe place for her kids to go in this emergency. A few weeks later, because of that, we were able to watch two of her kids again when she gave birth. Their family now feels like a second family to us. Bennett, who is Liz and Jordan's son, adores her son, and we've gotten to celebrate big life moments with her. She dedicated all four of her kids at church on Mother's Day and was so excited to send us pictures and tell us about it. Just this past weekend, we went to a housewarming party at their new home. I don't know if Jordan feels this way, but I get him. I get emotional looking at his relationship with their kids. And to me, that's the most impactful because mom has communicated that her kids, and specifically to her son, they don't have any positive male role models. Because we've been able to stay so close with their family, I think Jordan's relationship with Chase is my favorite part. I've also been so encouraged by Bennett's love for their family. He sees no cultural or economic difference and loves them as humans. I'm tempted to shy away or be overcautious when we visit them. And he just makes himself right at home. And it's how I would imagine Jesus being walking into their space, just completely confident and full of love and fun. And I remember the, the Sunday that Liz and Jordan got these kids they had so much stuff given to them by the care community that they couldn't fit it all into their car. It was awesome, man. And, and it was, it's just been such a blessing to this family. Uh, our family, me and Morgan, got a chance to step in, and we we're like super sub family for like a weekend. Morgan got a call that there was a mom that had gone into preterm labor. She had two kids in school and one kid with her at the hospital. Can you imagine? I can't. Never been pregnant, never had a baby. But mom's out there. Can you imagine? What are you going to do? You can't have a baby in there with you. And so what do you do? And her, one of her doctors at one point had just mentioned this thing called My Village Ministries. And they got a hold of My Village Ministries. And they called Morgan and they said, would you be willing to do this? And Morgan just went and picked up the baby and brought the baby home. We, we picked up the kids. And let me tell you, it was a wild weekend. I took the kids to a trampoline park for like an hour. There were like 3,000 other children there. And that was the most restful hour of my weekend, right? <laughs> it wasn't easy. And I, here I was like patting myself on the back. We just handed them off to Derek and Kelsey Wan who, who watched these kids and loved them for weeks because the baby that the mom had had was, was early and so she needed to be in the hospital a little longer. And then last week, I think, right? 10 days ago? Uh, we got a call. Three kids. Mom has cancer. Had had someone helping with the kids, but they had just thrown their hands up and said, we're done. And she came and she dropped the three kids off and mom is going through intense chemotherapy, can't get out of bed can't make food, can't watch the kids, has nowhere to go. So she calls My Village Ministries, and My Village Ministries calls us, 
and Mike and Kelsey a couple months ago raised their hand. They've got three kids of their own. Are they crazy? And they said, we know God wants us to do this. So if there's a chance, let us know. So we call them and they said, this is like within two hours. Call, will you take three kids? And then the three kids are at their house. So six kids under six. We're Googling how much melatonin can you give? No, just kidding. (laughs) Roxanne's laughing because she knows. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah, and to to watch their family love and serve these kids and this mom, to watch the care community come around them and serve the Johnsons. I know that Morgan Schaefer went over the other night and babysat all the kids so that Mike and Kelsey could go on a date. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our agape. And then I got to tell you this story. Why I called Jared Thomas, who's one of Mike's best friends. He goes to our church. I said, Jared, did you hear about the Johnsons? And, and he goes, dude, I can't believe it. I said, I know. He said, he's, Jared's quote was, that is Jesus. Like, that is the most Christ-like thing I know of my friend doing recently. Because it just doesn't benefit the Johnsons. But it is agape love to somebody else who probably will never be able to pay them back. Mike called me. And he said, this is amazing, you guys. Mike called me and uh, we were talking and he said, man, how do I, how do I, my other kids, like my kids are kind of struggling with this. They're wondering if, if they're loved. They're wondering where mom and dad's attention, where did it all go? It's being spent on six people, now not, not just three. We talked through some of that and, and then Mike, <laughs> he just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher the story, but he just got with Sawyer, his five-year-old. He said, I'm taking her out for a blizzard. And he got with Sawyer, and he did this Mad Lib story where he said to Sawyer, he kind of painted this picture of, this, these were Sawyer's Mad Lib words, this family of unicorns <laughs> that, was, that was healthy and happy and doing great, but then they found, about, found out about this family of rabbits whose mom wasn't doing so good, and there were three baby rabbits. And, and what should the family of unicorns do for the three baby rabbits? And Sawyer said, they should help. They should show them some love. And then at one point, Sawyer went, oh, that's what we're doing. That's what our family's doing. And Mike invited Sawyer into it. And, and I, I have to read this from Kelsey. She said, this is Mike's wife, although having five or six kids, all six years and under, under one roof brings its challenges. Our goal is not just to bless these kids, but to allow God to grow our family. We trust that God will use these opportunities to strengthen Michael and I's relationship and our roles as parents to our own kids. And we want our kids to grow up knowing that this is what it looks like to be the hands and feet of Jesus. This is what it looks like to love other people. And so I'm just thinking of of the Johnson's kids just getting to watch their mom and dad love and just agape. This is how people are going to know that we're Christians. And I'll just say that if you're not 
plugged in in some way, shape, or form with my village, I think you're nuts. I think you're crazy. I think this is an unbelievable, I think it's a layup. I know that there's some people down here in the front. You guys, I don't know, maybe you, you can't have kids in your house. That might be illegal. I'm not sure. We should check. But I know that there was a time where there was a family that dropped off some kids from my village and the kids didn't have any clothes with them. And I know that there's some people down here making way more money than you probably should. And I know that there were some people down here that wrote some pretty fat checks to say, go, write, go, go buy some clothes, go provide some meals. And so whether you're 22 or 24 or 54 or 74, there's a place to serve with My Village Ministries and to be this agape love. This is how they're going to know that we're Christians. There's two ways to do it. If you want to plug in, you go to our website or text My Village to 97,000. And there's all the options. It's like, I'll provide a meal. I'll provide babysitting. I'll provide, I could be a host family. I'm going to do the training. But jump in there. This is something that our church has taken on and we're just going to do it all the time. It's not like an event that we do once a, once a year. This is something that we're doing because we want to be this kind of church. And uh, I'm pretty fired up about it. All right, you guys want Mackenzie? Let's go, baby. Mackenzie, come on out. Back there. Patiently waiting while I rambled. All right. All our church, this is Mackenzie Davis. She is our local impact director. She is, she's been our local impact director for over four years. Yeah. She is maybe our longest serving director. I'm not sure. But Ooh. she's been at the helm for a long time. Does an amazing job. Uh, always, uh, she has been involved in so many of the things that we've done. The coat drive, the cleaning supply drive, Gehanna gift shop, spring cleaning. Mackenzie is the quarterback and she runs the show. And so we are so thankful to have her. Um, Mackenzie, I want to ask you a couple questions because our church thrives in the summer. One thing I want you to tell us about is this new idea that we have called block parties that we'll be running all summer. So take us away. What are yeah. they and how do we do it? Yes. Um, yeah, it does kind of seem like local impact sometimes like the party planning committee where we like throw these parties and uh, in kind of some of our events of the past, we've like thrown a party and we're like, hey, we're three creeks. We're really fun. We're awesome. Bye. And then like never really got to like continue that relationship with anybody. Uh, but the mission behind the block parties is a little bit different. Uh, it's almost providing you with a launch pad to meet your neighbors, to throw a block party in your neighborhood or your apartment complex uh, just to give people an opportunity to meet you, to connect with you, uh, and maybe open up some conversations that you've never really had before. Um, because we know that not everybody in your neighborhood feels comfortable coming into church on Sunday morning, um, but we know that the church isn't here on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Middle School West. It's wherever we are. And so if we're out in the neighborhood, um, we want to invite people into that. And if we feel that if people meet you and they get to know you, then they're one step closer to knowing Jesus. So we have a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah. Bounce houses, snow cone machine, cotton candy that we want to bring to your neighborhood. Um, we want to kind of, we want to host. We'll bring the volunteers, you bring the people and we'll have a block party. Yeah. So you're telling me just to recap, yeah. that these bounce houses and all of these fun party things are essentially rentable, but they're free. Yes. Right? And so anybody here who's thought, I should get to know my neighbors, yeah. I should invite them over, right. we can bring these things and make it a little bit more enticing. Yes, absolutely. And <laughs> you will bring people 
Yes. To help do the things. To run it all so that you just get to be the host. You get to talk to people, meet people. Um, we would like your help cleaning up. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, like, we want to make it as easy as possible. So I'm, I'm holding this card in my hand, and that's the bottom half, right? Yes. So talks about the summer block parties, throwing neighbors a party, a couple ways. I guess maybe go ahead and just give us a tutorial on the back of this card. What else is on there? What, tell them what's on the top half, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so this really, I mean, it won't work without you. I mean, we could throw a party in the parking lot here at Middle School West, um, but without, like, having a person to connect with who lives there or knows the neighborhood or really cares about it, um, it just won't have the same impact. So uh, on the bottom part of that card, we have two options for you. The first one is if you could, if you're willing to, host a party this summer. Um, like I said, maybe in your neighborhood, your apartment complex, your cul-de-sac or your backyard, whatever it is, um, you could do it with somebody, you could do it by yourself, um, but we want to help. So you pick the dates and, and we will uh, we'll be there. Uh, the other option is we need your help. <laughs> if you're not feeling like this is the summer for you to host a party, we would love for you to sign up to volunteer for um, helping at these parties. Uh, if you really feel like you know, you're gifted and scooping out popcorn, we would love to have you. Uh, or maybe your group, your community group could work together and, you know, volunteer for a Saturday um, where you can hang out and help kind of empower a family of Three Creeks to um, serve and minister to their neighborhood. So, um, yeah, either well, option. And then kind of like what you were saying, parties are fun and we love to throw parties. Yeah. But we also want to do something like slightly less big scale, but also really creative and I think really potentially very impactful. So tell us about the top half. Yes. Yeah. So whether you can throw a party or not, that is okay. Like we have you covered. Um, we are all called to make disciples. And I know when Trey was talking last week, even it kind of hit me. He was talking about being intentional with his neighbor down the street. And I was like, oh, there's some neighbors on my street. It's been 14 months and I don't know who they are. Uh, and so at this point, it's awkward, right? Like it's weird to like go talk to them or just initiate. Um, so in an effort to kind of help make it less weird, we have something called a Won't You Be My Neighbor Starter Kit. Um, and the idea there is that it just kind of gives you a little nudge. Um, there's nothing magical about them. They won't make you less awkward. Um, but <laughs> really, like we've invested in these to help um, just kind of as, use as a tool to meet your neighbors. So there are four different neighbors that you could be. So this, you gotta choose carefully because this will be your like, what you're known for, right? Um, there's the coffee snob neighbor kit if you're interested uh, in wanting to just kind of show off, well, I guess not show off, but like, you know, invite someone over for coffee um, and you want to like share your knowledge about that and there's no judgment if they use creamer, right? Like, it's all good stuff. Um, there's also the baker neighbor. If you want to, you know, show off your culinary talents, um, no one's going to be mad if you show up at their door with some funfetti cupcakes. So, um, also a good option. If you are feeling like you're more the gardener neighbor, um, we have a starter kit for you there. So if you, um, you know, you want to be outside, like I feel like that's a lot of times where I meet my neighbors is just being outside and usually looking real rough, but like it's great and we get to like talk and, um, you know, share our love of gardening. So you could take them a plant and that would be a great way to get to know them. Also, our last one is the grill master neighbor. 
if you want to invite people over for a barbecue, I don't think anyone will say no to that. So um, you get to order your starter kit using the top of this card here. So just check the one that you uh, would like. Uh, you can order it for the low, low price of free 99. Free 99. That's right. Uh, and you just uh, turn it into Three Creek Central, and we'll have your kit ready for you either next week or the week after. So you'll pick it up. I love then. it. And if I'm feeling if I'm feeling froggy, I could check two of those. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Check all four if you're feeling crazy. We want to give you guys this. I mean, let's be honest. You also could go and buy some Funfetti <laughs> cupcake mix. We want to put this in your hands so that you have no excuse. Uh, we want to give you this as a way to say, as a reminder. You put it on your counter. You go, I, this is not about the cupcakes. This is about me getting to know their names and seeing if I can love them in some type of way. So we hope that you'll take us up on that. And we hope we get a lot of order forms and we're busy making kits for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Mackenzie, oh, and I'll, I'll just say this. One last thing about uh, these, these two things. You could fill this bad boy out. And then on your way out today, Three Creek Central is like right there. And so you just drop it off right there. We'll have the kit for you. And then if you fill out your name and your number on the party, then Mackenzie and her team will reach out to you and pick the right date and pick the right time. And it'll be, you know, add water and stir for them. They'll just do a great job at throwing the party. Mackenzie, you told me about one more thing. And I feel like we're, we might be mudding the water, but I couldn't pass up the chance to tell them a little bit about something that you have in the works for the fall. So give us a teaser. Yeah, um, so the Local Impact team is really excited. Um, we, I guess three years ago now, we partnered with Goshen Lane Elementary School and two amazing teachers there, um, English language teachers, and we were able to offer some English classes for adults. Uh, we did it for 10 weeks, and it was great. Uh, the kids would come, and we would do homework help, and then we would have an open gym while the parents or even grandparents uh, got to participate in English classes free of charge. And we really started that because we found out Goshen Lane is like the 12th most diverse elementary school in Ohio. So the amount of need there is pretty massive. Um, so hopefully, looking forward this year, moving into um, just where we're able to do more things like this. We want to invite even more schools and possibly kind of cast a wider net and really giving us a cool opportunity to interact with some people that we don't normally get to and mostly just because of that language barrier. So really excited about that. I mean, some crazy cool things came of it last time. Um, Noah Fry is not here today, but uh, he actually like continued meeting with someone over Zoom the past couple of years to practice English and work with and even brought like his roommate in on it. Like it was just a really cool thing. And some of these families, like we invited them to Gahanna Gift Shop and some of these families ended up like volunteering for Gahanna Gift Shop, not just coming to shop. So the relationships that we built there were just really exciting. Um, and so we're really looking forward to um, kind of rebuilding that this fall. Yeah. More to come on that, but I'm, I'm fired up about a chance to serve some people that we probably wouldn't get connected to any other way. There's hundreds, hundreds of students on this side of town that go to the four schools on this side of town, hundreds of them that are involved in the EL program, and their parents are, they have no program. Obviously, their parents are not in school, and they have this desire to learn English, so I hope that uh, maybe as the fall rolls around, you'll jump in and, and help us do that. At the end of the day, there's one final question that, that wraps this whole thing up that I want to make sure we're all on the same page about. The reason that we want to do any of this is because Jesus loved us first with no guarantee that we would love him back. 
We understand that like what we're trying to do as people that want to follow Jesus is be with him and be like him and do what he did. And so we, we see that Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for us, this act of love that none of us can compete with, with no guarantee that anybody would love him back. And so because of that, we take our cues from him. We take our cues from Jesus. And we, we want to do this. We want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And you and I both know, I'm just going to be real honest here at the, at, the, at the very end. You and I both know that... Uh, well, at least I think. I don't know if you think, but I think these are great ideas. And I think that we should take Mackenzie up on this. I think that as a church family, we should jump in on this. But we have all seen something like this and thought, wow, that is a great idea. Somebody else should do it. And we just go, uh, I'll get to it. And then it's all of a sudden we sneeze and it's August 15th and oh, we missed it. Like this is something like we want you guys to take this and take this seriously and take it seriously today. And, and be the kind of person that goes, hey, this is a good idea. This is my church trying to lift me up and propel me into mission. And so I'm going to take them up on it. And if it doesn't go great, well, then at least I gave it a shot. But don't be the person that goes, wow, great idea. Hope somebody else does it or I'll get to it later. Be the person that fills this thing out and says, I'm in. I'll give it a shot. I'll try. Because they will know that we are Christians by our love. And this is one way to do that. So let me pray for our whole church, and then in a minute, we'll go have a block party together. God, I just pray for these starter kits, that they wouldn't just be starter kits, that they wouldn't just be cupcakes or coffee, but God, that they would be the start of real friendships that develop over a long period of time, a period of time that we can show a lot of agape love for a long time. I pray for these block parties, God, that they would be uh, mem memories that are made for a long time that in 2027 that people would say remember when you had that party remember when you invited us over god i pray that friendships and relationships would start there and that the gospel of jesus christ would go forward on our city because we took a chance i pray for the person who's sitting there right now who doesn't know where they fit in all of this that you would make that clear and that you would give them that nudge to be courageous and make a move and I pray that you would use Mackenzie and the local impact team to help us be a church that if we left Gehanna, Gehanna would miss us. That's what we want to do. And we want to do it in your name for your glory only. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.